the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And should not be KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So says the aim of the show. I've gotten surprisingly few phone calls recently. That makes me sad. Makes me think that radio is not working as well as TV is. Prove me wrong. Pick up the phone today and give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You can always email the show, com. That's robatrobblack.com. Okay. Okay. So, a funny thing happened on the road to war with Syria. Russia got involved, and suddenly the political angle has stepped up. Um, and that's kind of a good thing for Wall Street. Wall Street kind of doesn't like uncertainty. Wall Street kind of likes status quo. So the market rallied on that news yesterday. With that said, um, interesting couple weeks here going on. September's supposed to be a bad month. So far, it's been a very good month. Now, September's also a month where we get lots going on. This month, we get a Fed meeting. We get a debt ceiling next month. We get a budget debate next month. We get a new Fed chairman nominee this month, probably, we think. So there's some of like these machinations that are underlying... More important to me, more important to you, Sam Adams, creator of Jim Coke. Sam Adams, creator. A billionaire. How awesome is it to be him today? Armed with the family recipe and a flair for marketing, he popularized craft beers in the United States. He turned Boston beer into the third largest American-owned brewery. It also made him a billionaire. Sales of his flagship, Sam Adams brand helped Boston beer shares double in the past year and reach a record high this week. I once interviewed him. Great interview. Um, what's super interesting about him is he kind of has this attitude of it's us versus them. So Anheuser-Busch, he said, oh, they spill more beer in a day than we brew in a year. Like He has no problems taking shots at the competition, which... Some people like, some people don't. 
Big story today. Congratulations, Visa. You make me look good. When you came public, I said I liked you enormously. I will always like Visa. I see it as a copy that you can own until the day you die. Hewlett Packard. Um, I don't know. Maybe Hewlett Packard. Should, okay, let's talk about what I'm talking about first. Goldman Sachs, Visa, and Nike are going to be added to Dow Jones Industrial Average, replacing Bank of America, Hewlett Packard, and Alcoa. It's the biggest reshuffling since April 2004. What's interesting to note about this, the changes are going to push the number of financial-related companies in the 30-member gauge to five. It's going to boost their influence even more. Fifth biggest U.S. bank by assets, largest payment network, joined J.P. Morgan Chase, Travelers, and American Express. Bank of America is being kicked out. They've gained 109% since 2012. That's the Dow's largest gainer in that period of time, but also had a huge fall. This should add some stability and some growth. I like kicking out HP. I'm surprised uh, they were added when there was already a big computer services company called IBM. Alcoa kind of has this problem for commodity pricing, where they literally lose money sometimes on their product that they sell. Bank of America had that big run, and they've got some legal issues. Goldman Sachs is just a more diversified, more respected company than Bank of America. But I like the addition of Visa and Nike. I like it a lot. Um, you look at this group and you go, where the hell is Apple? We got, you know, the Microsofts, we got the Intels, we got the Cisco's. Where's the number one tech company? So, last time there was a big addition. AIG, Verizon, and Pfizer were added to the Dow. What's interesting is AIG was added at exactly the wrong time. Eastman Kodak, International Paper, AT&T were removed during that last swath. To get your calls in the air today, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. So that's the big story of the day. And yet, Apple's going to be closely watched. They've got a big event coming up at 10 a.m. Pacific time in Cupertino. PVH, a clothing maker, they reported profits that were a little bit better than expected. They do Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein brand of clothes. They did project lower for the next quarter. company called Palo Alto Networks. They had a profit of six cents a share. Matched expectations. Revenue was above consensus. It's an internet security hardware and software maker. They saw an increase in operating expenses. Microsoft is reportedly being urged by three of its 20 largest investors to put Ford CEO Alan Mulally and Computer Sciences CEO Mike Lowry on its shortlist for a new CEO. Mulally would be interesting. He goes from Boeing to Ford to Microsoft. Boeing to Ford. What? Ford to Microsoft. What? But he's been a winner. J.C. Pitties is being sued by Bodum Group, maker of Upscale Coffee Press. Bodum claims the retailer did not deliver on a promise to roll out its product to a store within a store. Google. Great Google. Google. Offering more concessions in hopes of settling an EU antitrust probe that's gone on for nearly three years. American Express, they're in talks with time to sell five of its magazines, including travel, leisure, and food and wine. Hmm. GlaxoSmithKline under pressure as the FDA sets out guidelines for generic versions of Glaxo's best-selling lung drug out there. I got the croup. You've never had heard a kid with croup? It's bizarre. 
That's all I'm going to say. Um, so did I mention Sam Adams? Jim Coke Craft Beer. Third largest American Island brewery. Billionaire. Well, I'll have a tasty beverage to start my day. Thank you. So the show is Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I tend to take a lighter look at the world of finance. In large part, um, I think we all need to accept finance and investing, for better or for worse. Come up with a better plan. Start putting people in their place when they're ignorant. People who push private real estate investment trusts. People who say things like buy and hold is buy and hope. That's just ignorant. It's just, I mean, flat out ignorant. That's someone who's basically trying to part you of your money and trying to tell you that they're smarter than you. If buy and hold is dead, it's buy and hope. Oh, do you have a plan? I have a plan. So I think it's baloney, the notion that buy and hold investing is dead. It's just absolutely plain, downright crazy. I think you accumulate assets. I think if you want to try to take a shot at me and say, well, you're talking about a bull market buy and hold works. No. It's shown in absolute terms post an accumulative gain of 125% since spring 2009. It's been fabulous in real terms with inflation being almost non-existence during that time. In relative terms, it's crushed bonds, cash, alternatives, commodities, and a more robust uh, crushing amount it's beat international stock markets as well. It's not like a golden age, in any way, shape, or form. Anyhow, and anyway, big event coming up in Los Gatos, Toll House Hotel. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9, Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. Sign up at robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I like the sound of this band. Mowglies. Mowglies. M-O-W-G-L-I-S. Mowglies. Grand Theft Auto video game. You know it. Hillary Clinton got famous many years ago. Or she got infamous is the probably the better word of saying it when she took it on. And I think Grand Theft Auto 2 or 3 had a feature in the game where you can have a relationship with a prostitute to heal yourself. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's comic book at the heart of a comic book game. But Grand Theft Auto V comes to store September 17th. It is going to cost $266 million. It will have surpassed the estimated production budget for every Hollywood blockbuster adjusted for inflation. 
except for Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which cost $300 million to make. Games development and marketing budget, $266 million. Red Dead Redemption cost 80 to 100 million to make. Disney Infinity, 100 million plus. Grand Theft Auto 5, 100 million plus. Grand Theft Auto 4, 100 million dollars. Hmm. The only game close to that would probably be Star Wars The Old Republic. It was reportedly rumored to cost 200 million after the game was in production for six years. You know, LucasArts had the licensing, so it's kind of tough to figure that totally out. But video games, big business. Underwear, big business. But video games, bigger business. The SP500 is up 10, the Dow up 93, the Nasdaq up 18. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He's with NewFocusFinancial.com, or you can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. He's with NewFocusFinancial. Talking about transitioning to a retirement portfolio, I say that you accumulate wealth from age 20 to 50, and you start managing wealth from age 50 to 100. And again, that's not set in stone, but that's the general concept. Mr. Burton, transitioning to a retirement portfolio. What's your thoughts? Well, when I walk people through this, I've got to get to give them some general market history, which sometimes is boring, but it, it surprises me how many people Bore me. don't really realize this stuff. So the market, as you talk about all the time, is positive 70% of the time. Right. Three out of 10 years, negative seven out of 10 years, positive. So pretty good odds. Best odds on the planet. Right. And when you're building wealth, you know, up until your mid to late 50s, it, it, t- timing the market doesn't really matter a lot. Right. The thing that you need to focus on is... The asset classes that have done really well over 10 years but are doing really poorly in the last one to three, those are the ones you should actually be buying. Um, so it's not – it's really you can control your, your asset allocation with where you're sending your, your new purchases. Give me an example of that. Well, so every three years, typically asset classes change. Um, they go through a cycle. So whether it's looking at sectors of the economy like telecom, technology, healthcare. If you look at, uh, there's a chart that I talk about a lot called Callan Periodic Table of Investments. Right. And you can see that whether it's an asset class chart or a sector chart, that asset class or sector will be the best place to be for two to three years in a row. And within two to three years, it'll be one of the worst places to be. And so um, the real active wealth builder, the way they rebalance their portfolios will be changing where they're contributing their money and buying the stuff that looks like it's on sale. Where everybody else is running away from it, that's what they're buying that year. Okay, I'm with you. In retirement, timing is everything. Because if you go in, you build this balanced portfolio over these years and years of, of work, and then you just dollar cost average in reverse. In other words, you sell every month instead of buy every month. Well, if you sell during the downturns, you're selling. That is gone. That's lost potential forever. So if you would have had to sell your portfolio between 2008 and 2009, when the market was down 40-plus percent, and then you had to sell 5 or 10% to live, you're never going to recover. That's gone. It's out of your portfolio forever. So that's why, and when you look back at the stock market history, there's only been two periods in a row where the market's been negative three years in a row. Runs right after the Great Depression, right, like late 30s, and then... Um, 2000, 2001, and 2002. The only three years in a row that we've had. We've had several two-year periods in a row, like 73 and 74. The market was down 40%. Right. Next two years, the market was up 60%. Okay. So the volatility isn't new. It's been with us forever. It's just in your face with you know financial shows out there all the time. 
So the biggest point as you as you look at and you're 10 years out from retirement, one of your biggest things is, how, okay, I have a balanced portfolio. How do I get to the point where I have three years' worth of expenses, of portfolio draws, and cash? So the first thing you need to do is say, here's my expenses in retirement, and here's my automatic income from, like, Social Security and pensions. So, again, a, a simple math would be if, you're, if you need 100 grand to pay your taxes, your expenses, health care costs, everything, and you're getting 50 from Social Security and pensions, you know that you need 50000 a year from your portfolio. So five years prior to retirement, you need three years of that, or $150,000 in that person's scenario, in safe money. That takes out one of the biggest risks of timing in retirement so that you, you have three-year cushion that you don't have to draw on the portfolio when you're in a down market. And then by the other strategies of dividend-paying stocks where they have a history of increasing their dividend on an annual basis to help fight inflation, balance portfolio, and then also having a good portion of your retirement income coming from lifetime sources that you can outlive, like Social Security or pension or your own annuitized income. We'll talk about that at seminars coming up. You can learn more about upcoming wealth preservation retirement planning seminars at robblack.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a CFP, stands for Certified Financial Planner. It's his designation that makes him a fiduciary. He works in his client's best interest. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on the Wall Street Business Network. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the things I try to do is really show you that Wall Street's not that intimidating. Walmart's launching a smartphone trading program later this month that will help consumers trade up the newest phones available. In the short term, I never like Walmart. In the long term, I always like Walmart. The world's biggest retailer said that customers will receive a credit of 50 to $300 when they trade in their working on damaged phone. The credit can be used towards the purchase of a new phone, selection of more than 100 devices to choose from. That includes some phones on prepaid plans. They say customers will receive $300 credit for an iPhone 5, $175 for a Samsung Galaxy 3, $52 for a Samsung Galaxy S2. Phones can be traded in electronics departments for more than 3,600 Walmarts. That's kind of cool. I like seeing you do things and getting some value out of stuff that you typically throw in the trash. Apple's doing the same thing. Most companies are doing it. You can also give your phone to charity. I like that angle as well. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. Ticket prices in the NFL climbed 50% over the past decade. Parking prices have more than doubled. Beer prices just up 35%, a relative bargain. Average football ticket now $82. Average parking $31. Beer, $7 each. This brings me to Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. Crazy the inflation in football. $7 for a beer, that's a, that's a discount relative to Chicago prices. You and I should sell beer on the road into the game. 
<laughs> no doubt about it. Just get a big cooler set up for the day. Drink some of our product. Make some money. With that said, uh, what are you working on right now? Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. Well, let me just say, or you could just drink the product and not worry about making money. So um, I am... Uh, I'm looking at, uh, well, looking at the market, looking at the response we're seeing to what appears to be the formation of a, uh, a diplomatic solution, if you will, to the events uh, surrounding Syria. Uh, markets uh, shown some uh, uh, some good relief over the, that idea that maybe a military strike will be averted, and so you're seeing that uh, being priced into uh, into the market today and being priced out of uh, crude oil and gold and, and uh, treasuries, which are some of the uh, instruments that might have done uh, better in the event of a strike. That's well said. Um, you mentioned gold and oil lower. They're a play on fear, uh, flight to safety, a flight to known versus unknown with Syria. Um, this whole Syria angle proves once again how wrong people like me can be because I was assured that Obama was going to strike with or without congressional approval. He had to do it. I was believing some of the media reports. And then out of nowhere, a left turn. And the reason I bring this up is because people should listen to me and you, but they really shouldn't listen to me and you at times, if that makes any sense, because sometimes things don't go as they appear. You know, I mean, that's right, Rob. I mean, in uh, situations like this, you know, I, you know, as a, uh, a market analyst, you've got to be careful to uh, keep personal views out of one's professional assessment of things as well. You know, my job is to, to read the market. And uh, notwithstanding what my own personal views might be in terms of how this was handled from the get-go and and where we stand, the market is telling us that it doesn't think a military strike is going to happen, and that it does prefer you know a diplomatic solution, no matter how it's how it's reached. Um, and uh, and you have to respect that. You know the collective wisdom of the market is is shining through here. And uh, and I suppose you know as a market analyst, what I then in turn have to point out is just the the risk uh, if things don't unfold in that manner. You know, we're going to hear from the president tonight. Uh, he's likely to, again, press the case for a military option. Uh, not that he's going to necessarily follow through on it, but just to make the case that one should be reserved if we have to get to that point. Um, but clearly, if there was a military strike that transpired uh, in the future here, um, you'd see a, a significant markdown in equity prices uh, simply, you know, on the basis that you are now seeing a significant markup in equity prices on the idea that it's not going to happen. Now, Patrick, you're always allowed to tell me that I'm a silly person and that I'm wrong. It's often been said that the market is a discounting mechanism, that it looks six months into the future. If that's the case, the market's not really worried about the budget crisis. It's not worried about the budget ceiling. It's not worried about tapering. Or do you disagree with the initial premise to start with? Well, I think what the, the market has basically been conditioned to think is that worst-case scenarios will not unfold. Um, It may be ugly on the way to the end point, but when it all comes down to it, there is usually some solution provided that uh, takes away that worst-case scenario. Um, I think given the experience we've seen and how Congress has handled things over budget debates and the debt ceiling debate in recent years, I think the market is certainly uh, prepped for the possibility that it's going to be another contentious battle, uh, but it's not accepting the idea that things are going to you know, hit a calamitous state again. 
And so it's trading, if you will, with somewhat of a of a no fear type of perspective because uh, you know it's 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 expecting you know a, a positive resolution on on both of those fronts, um, and and that's what's being discounted in right now. Um, now, obviously, there's a, a complacency risk in that perspective, but uh, nonetheless, uh, that's what uh, the message I'm reading right now in terms of how the market's behaving as it relates to those issues. Your material is the first material that I read of the day. You write what's called page one for briefing.com. Inside of it, there's literally nuggets that you can draw upon and make conclusions about how you feel about the markets. Uh, Today, McDonald's reporting a 1.9% gain in global comparable sales. I'm reading that as global's not so bad. Yeah, um, you know, and the thing about that, that was, uh, strikingly, it was led by growth in Europe. Uh, I believe uh, comps there were up uh, over 3%, uh, and uh, the United States was was about flat, up a little bit, I believe, and then uh, the Asia Pacific was down about five-tenths of 1%, uh, not as bad as expected. But, yeah, it was interesting that uh, it appears that the value proposition uh, that has worked so so long in the United States, where McDonald's is starting to resonate in Europe, which is understandable given the uh, ongoing challenges uh, with uh, the economy there. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, it's an encouraging thing uh, to see growth there uh, for McDonald's, and uh, that's translating well for its stock price today, and it's uh, helping boost the broader market. It's crazy that the world that we live in, Mr. O'Hara, that we can look at a McDonald's and say that's a litmus test for the world, but it kind of is, even though they make food that we don't love and adore. Well, right. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a multinational uh, uh, business uh, presence uh, around the world, and the fact of the matter, uh, it caters to uh, a demographic uh, from, and to an income level that, uh, that's more representative of the greater whole than, uh, than you know, some of the, uh, the luxury restaurant chains uh, would be. So you have to respect what McDonald's is telling you, uh, whether or not you agree with the, the menu items or not. Uh, but it uh, has a massive uh, macroeconomic presence, um, and uh, and it's you know from what we're seeing, uh, it appears to be uh, you know appears to be connecting right now with consumers around the world. In high school, I never felt felt validated. The cheerleader never dated me. I was a soccer star. I was a great athlete. I was a good student, but I had never felt validated. Today, I feel validated because Visa and Nike being added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, two companies that I would say. I would own until the day I die. I'd buy today. I'll buy it tomorrow. I'll buy it last month. Because I, I, you're buying great companies. How do you feel about Visa, Nike, and Goldman Sachs being added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average? Right. Well, you know, it, it certainly helps from a, a PR standpoint for those companies, right? I mean, it's it's nice to, you know, be able to tell uh, prospective investors, current investors, that you have this kind of gold label of being a, a Dow Jones Industrial Average component. Uh, so there's a great, you know, reputational prestige there in, in that. But uh, all that aside, you know, the point you make, these are great companies, you know, great Brands and you and I have talked about the uh, the power of brands in some past interviews and uh, and I think you're you're right. I mean, you know, they'll they'll have their ups and downs, but at the end of the day, they have perfected a business model that is going to uh, I think play out very well for a very long time and. Um, and it, uh, I think it, it, it makes sense that these companies are being added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, given what they bring to the table from a from the business side of things, and 
Um, and certainly looking at a company like Nike, for instance, given what it brings from just a multinational presence and its ability to capitalize on the uh, uh, what we see as a secular trend in the emerging middle class in those uh, emerging markets. With that said, when you look at the names, you know, Nike, Visa, Goldman Sachs, they kind of have an evil empire feel to them that I live in I live in San Francisco and the Bay Area we tend to make things kind of evil or good and you know Nike sends jobs overseas is it a wrong idea to invest in the dark side like do you see where I'm going at with that uh, sure yeah um but you know you can probably you know make a similar argument for a, a a much larger number of, of U.S.-based businesses, right? I mean, okay. we're a capitalist economy. Um, you know, it's about you know profits, uh, and companies are finding ways to to bolster their, their their profits, and they do that by lowering costs, and they will do that, uh, which, you know, through any means possible, really. Um, and you're you're paying for earnings, and um, you might not agree from a social moral standpoint in terms of how they do it. But from an investor standpoint, you know, stock prices are driven by earnings growth, and to the extent that these companies can deliver that earnings growth will afford them, you know, higher stock prices in the future, and you have to respect that, uh, that approach to doing things. We're running out of time here. Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. Is there anything that you're working on? We've got about two minutes that you think should be highlighted. Right. Um, you know, I'm curious to... Uh, uh, you know, I'm kind of stuck in this analysis paralysis mode because we have this FOMC meeting coming out uh, next week, and so I'm really interested to see, as the world is, what the Fed's how it's going to manage this tapering decision. Uh, and so that's on my radar. And I'm certainly also looking at the retail sales report that's coming out on Friday. I want to see if you see, uh, you know, the one good thing about the employment report for August was that you did see an increase in aggregate earnings, and that should. Uh, flow through to uh, stronger gains in retail sales, and we just want to see if that's confirmed uh, when that data is released on Friday. Yeah, that um, employment report on Friday, I think everyone kind of collectively thought it was a bad report. What was your bottom line take on it? Yeah, I thought it was bad in that it didn't provide any signaling closure in terms of what the Fed is going to do. You know, it was just kind of that mixed, you know, some good things some not great things. Uh, so I was disappointed that we didn't get any signal enclosure, but, you know, I guess if you really want to, you know, characterize it, I'd say it was a disappointment because you didn't get really the really strong job growth that you need to okay. lower the unemployment rate for good reasons versus just people dropping out of the labor force. So um, we could Thanks see very much. better things there. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Marketing Analyst, Briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. We'll take a break. Be right back. August from a year earlier, and China's industrial out. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I work really, really hard to bring you a show that's easily digestible, that gets you excited about the markets. I enjoy Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com enormously. I would rather talk markets and business and stories tied towards innovation and technology than talk about football. I'm just not that guy. 
I enjoy watching a good soccer match. I enjoy watching a great football game. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a Monday night football game, Green Bay against Washington, I think Joe Theismann and Lynn Dickey. I mean, this was many years ago. Ended up 48-47, and you just felt like whoever touched the ball last was going to win. Those are great, fun games. The Packers and 49ers, they had kind of a fun game this weekend. But, eh. To me, World Cup soccer is the best overall sport in an event because there's nationalities ultimately involved. And I find that fascinating. Um, again, like U.S. men's hockey in the Olympics, when it turns out, you know, USA versus Canada, it's just better than city versus city. It's, you know, country against country. I don't know, something fascinating about that to me. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. If you're of the mindset that I'm mean, you don't get what I'm trying to do. It's a character that I play to really stop people from making financial mistakes. I see it again and again and again and again and again, and it's tragic. With that said, I'm starting to see more and more people do smart things. Um, but I'm still stunned. I got an email yesterday from someone who, you know, got into a horrific, horrific mortgage. And like, how do people do that in this day and age? Modifying loans and choosing the wrong product, jumbo pay option only. Um, you don't need that. You need people you can trust in this industry. And that's something that I've prided myself on. I think I've done a pretty good job of bringing to you people who are honest and forthright, whether it be Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com or Jeff Rosen, chief economist. Jeff's a sweet guy. This was kind of interesting. His publicist asked if, you know, if I, tomorrow any big news. I'm like, is it Yom Kippur? What's no Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Rose of Shannon? You know, the ten days before Yom Kippur, the Jewish New Year. Jewish New Year is Friday this week, so that's a reason to party. I just like reasons to party and reasons to day drink. And I kind of joke, but I'm also kind of saying, like, you should live a romantic life and you should find reasons to be happy. Um. But as, she's like, no, tomorrow's 9-11. I was like, you thought we were going to cancel an interview with an economist because of 9-11? First and foremost, when 9-11 happened, I was live on the air. I was two miles from the Pentagon. I heard the plane strike the Pentagon on air. I did a six-hour radio show that day. The perspective that I always have had is when you get knocked down, you get back up. And you don't stop, Ever. Later in life, when you're forced to stop, you stop. You know, I'll sleep when I die. That's always been one of my mottos. So for her to suggest, are you going to take off 9-11? No. That's losing. That's quitting. Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Right? I'm about the long term. I'm not about the instant gratification. Let's take a look at what's happening on the markets. Markets being boosted by Syria. McDonald's is boosting the markets because they say global comparable stores, especially in Europe, are good. China reported some robust growth, pretty good industrial production, retail sales. I don't really believe everything that comes out of China, so that's kind of in my wheelhouse. Like, I know that. Like, you have a friend that would be like, oh, yeah, I dated a model. Oh, yeah, 
I uh, used to run with President Clinton around the track. Let's go to Ken in Silicon Valley. Ken, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Good morning. I'm one of those guys that is approaching retirement age really fast. And okay. don't, I don't really have the kind of cash position I'd like. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to make up for lost time. Would you recommend investing in companies that give a consistent dividend and uh, then reinvest that dividend in that same stock? I do like reinvesting dividends, but more importantly, how old are you, Ken? I'm 60. How much do you have saved? Only about uh, 100000 100000 Yeah. Why so little? I had some medical problems earlier in my life, and I had to use up a lot of my uh, my retirement monies for okay. services that weren't covered. Okay. Um, explain a little bit, because I think you're going to help my audience. What medical problems did you have? Well, I had some problems with a hip that needed to be replaced, and I didn't have insurance at the time, and I ended up having to pay for that. I ended up uh, needing some teeth replaced and had to have some implants done. Those are not covered by any insurance, even though I have it now. Um, That ended up costing about $50,000. Wow, you got some bad teeth. And when you take money out of one of your 401Ks when you're too young, not only do you pay a 50% penalty, uh, I believe it is, uh, you also pay tax on that money, and uh, the tax implications are just really bad. It's a bad uh, decision, but it was an emergency, so what can I say? Absolutely, and I'm not judging you in any way, shape, or form. I'm just trying to... I understand that. I'm trying to get the message out to people. Brush your teeth because teeth are expensive, like you said. Um, never touch that 401k unless you have to. Therefore, you need some emergency money. And get insurance because bad things can happen, like things like hips. Um, my advice to you is going to be pretty simple. You're going to want to work as long as you can. Yeah, you do want to do dividend reinvestments. You're also going to want to look at your lifestyle. Do you, have, do you own a home? No, not anymore. Okay. I would think, and thanks for the call, I'm going to probably take this into the next segment. Um you're going to want to work as long as you can, and you're going to want to figure out where you're going to live, that the cost of living is a lot cheaper than it is here. A lot cheaper. We're going to take a break here. Going to be doing a retirement seminar in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel, Thursday from 6.30 to 9 p.m. That's two days from now. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Simon says, listen, Rob Black, your money. Good job. Nike Goldman Visa to join the Dow. Interesting. In large part, sometimes when you join the Dow, you start to underperform. It's kind of like you're a little late to the party. Bank of America, out. Which is okay. I get it. You know, Bank of America for Goldman, that's a good trade. If, like, you have a spouse and you go 10 years younger, that might be considered a good trade, but you lose something in the process. Are you with me or did I lose you on that one? But uh, some people are already starting to look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average and some of the additions with a skeptical eye. HP was added a few years ago, right before HP had a big fall. AIG was added a few years before AIG had a big fall. 
Goldman Sachs is priced at $159 per share. Bank of America is priced at $14 a share. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a weighted index. A 1% move in the banking sector will have a much larger impact on how the Dow moves. Currently, a one-point move in the Dow stock translates to a seven-point move in the Dow as a whole. So there's a good chance um, that it'll, it'll dampen by the addition of Goldman Sachs. You know, a 1% move in Goldman Sachs would add 12.2 points to the Dow. A 1% move in Bank of America adds about 1.1% to the Dow. So there's some problems with the additions and subtractions. Um... On the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Again, it's interesting, like HP was added a few years back, right before you know, the big decline in desktops. Dow Jones couldn't have figured that out. Maybe they could have, but they didn't. You know, Apple's kind of stolen the computer market with phones and tablets. Two categories that they really revolutionized, and others are copying, including HP. There's a big story out yesterday that Amazon might add a phone. I want Amazon and Apple on the Dow Jones Industrial Average because I think they're reflecting, Salesforce.com, they're reflecting the industry, not Microsoft and Intel and IBM. IBM is okay. I'm good with them. They're a big international company. But I really do like the addition of Nike and Visa, although, again, it might be a little late after the huge runs they've had. But Visa and Goldman Sachs are two of the pillars of the modern financial system. Nike is the most amazing, durable brand in history, in my opinion. You see the two guys that photobombed Aaron Andrews this weekend's Fox Sports? The next day, they're at NBC on the Today Show, and they photobomb NBC outside the studio. I think these guys need their own TV show. We need something to replace Breaking Bad. That episode. I watched it for a second night in a row. The recent Breaking Bad. Holy mackerel. Amazon's denied launching a phone this year. I find that interesting because they got that Amazon Prime thing where they throw in services like television. And then you have a phone and you're like, I kind of want to watch television on my phone. And they kind of got the Kindle and you can watch television on your Kindle. I totally get what they're trying to potentially do. They have a lot of loss leaders to get you to be a consumer. Microsoft comes out with a new Xbox. It costs them more in technology and parts to, to sell it to you than they're making. But they want to make money on the licensing and the future software titles. And later on, the technology will get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and then they'll make money on it. Amazon launched a flower store. One of the best lines of Beverly Hills Cop. I think two? Yeah. Where Axel Foley goes, floral delivery, floral delivery is my life. So he's trying to sneak into some bad guy's office, and he pretends to be a homosexual florist, and because uh, any man who's in the floral industry, clearly, like that's how stupid we are, right? But Amazon's launched its own flower store. I find them intriguing. I mean, I'm telling you, I can sit and scratch my head all night long talking about Amazon.com. Walmart's going to launch a smartphone trade-in program. I like this story. You're getting some cash or some credit for an old phone. But there is a big worry out there called fatigue. And it's kind of hit me. And I I 
I definitively know that. I have absolutely no interest in new phones. I want to see them. I want to hear about them. And I'll eventually get one. But very, very, very little interest. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's precocious. I know you're saying, I'm getting older. Because I don't even know who Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, and that's about all I got for you. 800-516-1220. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. We got a call at the end of the last hour about a man who's 60 years old and has $100,000. And he knows it's not enough money. And he asks about reinvesting dividends. And that's a great idea. Um, but that's still not confronting his issue of he's going to have to work a long time. Um, if I were to retire today, I'd still probably go to work at Home Depot and help people find stuff in the store. But you know what's interesting about that? Uh, fewer people are going to be needed to find stuff and give directions in the store. Like, why is that, you ask? Because I was at Home Depot not too long ago, and they have an app now that tells you where the stuff is in the phone, in the store. Mobile devices are edging closer to fulfilling their long-delayed promises as digital wallets. Apple's going to have a big event this morning, and it'll be interesting to watch. What's announced, what's not? To me, the most important thing is 800 million potential cells in China. China Mobile and NTT Docomo are come on as partners. It's leaked. We know it. We know there's a cheap iPhone coming. We know that there's a, a fingerprint sensor coming. That's the one that maybe, maybe not, but it kind of looks that way because we've seen some photos of it now. That fingerprint, you're going, gimmick. It's not a gimmick because corporations, security. Love the concept. Consumers are beginning to see the advantage of channeling offline payments through their mobile devices. Rather than carrying around clunky coins and cash, even debit and credit cards, consumers are primed to go wallet-free and begin paying for goods and services with your mobile phone. Mobile phone payments are set to explode. Which is going to be interesting to watch companies like Visa. As of the year 2012 that just ended, only 7.9 million consumers had adopted a consumer-facing compatible system like Google Wallet or apps that use QR codes. In-store payments nearly quadrupled last year. Card readers are building up real scale. Mobile payments as part of mobile commerce is exploding. PayPal alone processed $14 billion in mobile payments last year. Smartphones are getting smarter. Large-scale adoption of tablets and smartphones as registers on the merchant side. Increased convenience for merchants and consumers. Just how big of a mobile payment sector is it? It's big. The total value of global offline transactions facilitated by mobile devices is going to be about $1.5 trillion, up from $120 billion. $1.5 trillion by 2017, up from $120 billion last year. It's pretty impressive growth. You want to be a part of it. Big event coming up this Thursday, two nights from now. It's a retirement boot camp with CFP Chad Burton. It's from 6.30 to 9.00 in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. Very classy place. I always like going there. Um, good event. Got some new alternatives for bonds. Got some new Social Security content. Sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's two nights from now in Los Gatos.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. A lot of fun things happen in the world of tech. Apple's going to release new product today. Soon we're going to have watches tied towards our cars. Cars, watches, cars, cars, cars. Cars lowering your auto insurance if you allow the insurance company to monitor the speeds you drive. Would you do it? I would. Save me a couple hundred dollars a year. You can monitor my speed as much as you want. Anyhow, and also, like, if you're a parent, how about monitoring your kid's speed? And the insurance company lets you know, hey, your kid's driving too fast. I like the idea. Anyhow, fewer homeowners underwater in the second quarter. That's a story. We'll talk about that and more. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um... Taking a look at the stock market today, September's supposed to be a bad month. September's turning out to be a very, very good month so far, 10 days in. SP 500's up 10. The Dow's up Welcome in CFP, Chad. NASDAQ up 21. Welcome in CFP, Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you today? Excellent. Let's talk a little, uh, we do wealth preservation retirement planning seminars. You can find out more about one coming up shortly at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. One of the things you have to worry about in retirement is asset allocation. There's a phrase that I use that asset allocation is more important than timing the market. And people, you know, continually want to time the market. But asset allocation in retirement falls in your court. Yeah, asset allocation, but it's also asset location. So the different asset classes that are out there, which types of accounts do you hold them in between your, your cash accounts, your taxable accounts, your IRA, your Roth? Um, where do you hold them? I mean, the first thing that you got to look at is, is uh, an overall strategy that you need in retirement, which is how are you going to draw and where, what accounts are you going to draw from first? A lot of people make the mistakes of drawing from just their cash first and then holding off on their IRAs, and then they find themselves at age 70 and a half in a really high tax bracket. So um, you take the approach that, as I've talked about on your show many times, you need three years of portfolio draws in cash, right? That's typically in your taxable account. You then need at least about 20% of your portfolio in, in most retirees' cases, if they're kind of the general retired person scenario. You want about 20% of your portfolio in dividend-paying stocks, but they are stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend on an annual basis, so you have constant income regardless of what the share price is doing, and an income that increases even when the markets are down. Um, then you need about 20 to 30% of your portfolio in what you try to do is it's really good, and a lot of financial advisors, a lot of publications agree that you should try to get about 20 to 30% of your retired retiree income needs, Rob, from a form of guaranteed lifetime income. For example, Social Security is a form of guaranteed lifetime income. A pension you can't outlive is a form of guaranteed lifetime income. Well, people can also do this on their own and create that with um, certain products out there, and I hate loaded variable annuities. Why? But there are so, because the fees are so high. Okay. They, they have these guarantees, but the internal fees are like 3.5%. Uh, you, you, you buy them, you can't get out of them for 7 to 10 years. Somebody gets a like, huge commission involved, and they don't help you manage it. There are some no-load versions of this where you can be in a balanced portfolio, and no matter what the market does, you'll get 5 to 6% income for life. It's not a principal guarantee. It's a lifetime guaranteed income. 
And you need that longevity guarantee in your life. So what if you do outlive that 86 number that is the average age of death now? So you want to get 20 to 30% of that. So what I typically do is have about 20% of a portfolio in a, a, a no-load product. So because if, if bonds ever go to a point where they're attractive again, I might get out of those products. I might not recommend them anymore. But right now, they're an okay bond alternative. Um, and then the rest of the portfolio is a very conservative um, ETF no-load fund portfolio that you'd want to have. And so in your taxable accounts, you would want more of the large-cap, mid-cap, and tax-free bonds. And then in your retirement accounts, that's where you would have more of the, the, the types of dividend-paying stuff that don't qualify for that 15% dividend tax. Um, so some you know things like master limit partnerships and oil and gas deals, um, other stocks that don't qualify for that 15% dividend tax. So you need that overall kind of pieces of your overall portfolio. You need the cash that you're going to draw from. You need the pieces of your portfolio that are going to feed it. But also pay attention to where you hold the asset classes. If it's an income-producing vehicle and you don't need the income yet, hold it in either an IRA or a Roth. If it's more of a long-term hold in a growth asset, that's, that's going to be in your taxable accounts. Okay, so asset allocation, critically important in retirement, different than when you're younger. Um, You've got to know your tax brackets. You do. And it's really important to know your marginal bracket. That's what, what's the next dollar that I receive? What's it going to be taxed at? So when you retire, things are changing. You no longer have a paycheck. So the first thing you do is you look at your overall situation and say, before I draw from anything, what are, what's my automatic tax bracket going to be? I'm going to have my Social Security income. I'm going to have dividends and interest from my stock and bond portfolio and my taxable accounts. And the first place you look to draw is actually your IRA. A lot of people hold off for as long as they can. But a married couple filing jointly can have about 70000 of income from IRAs and Social Security and pension, plus an amount of income equal to their itemized deductions, and still be at a 15% bracket, which, you know, right now, at this point in time when we're talking, is the same as the capital gains rate. Right. It could be lower going forward, depending on what happens to our tax code. So it's you, kind of complicated in retirement. You know, it, it is, it's complicated on the initial setup, but once you get a detailed income plan going then it kind of gets automated. It kind of makes sense. Good stuff to know. You can learn more about this kind of topic and more coming to a Wealth Preservation Retirement Seminar. Uh, Something Chad and I do together. It's great to meet people. Put faces and names together, and it all starts to kind of click for people. You can learn more about upcoming seminars at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find more about Chad Burton. He's a certified financial planner with New Focus Financial at chadburton.com. That's B-U. R-T-O-N, or newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Again, come out this Thursday evening to the event, 630 to 9. It helps me see if TV is working or radio is working. It helps me see what you want from content. Um, it's retirement boot camp. I don't think anything big's happening Thursday night, so it's not like you're missing out on the big game. It's Thursday, September 12th. That's one of my final three events for the year. Um, I'll do one in October and one in November. Take the month of um, December off. We all should take time off. That's one of the months that I definitively don't like working. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Big insurers are ditching Obamacare exchanges. When Americans start shopping on the state-based exchanges next month, a couple of big insurers will likely be missing in action. Some players like Aetna, United Healthcare, and Cigna are treading cautiously, waiting to see how the start of the massive healthcare reform pans out in 2014. 
think a lot of people are going to be surprised that they have to pay for health care. I think a lot of businesses are kind of dogging it and sitting on the sidelines. So Thursday night event, you can sign up for right here, right now. Sign up at robblack.com. I'm also going to be sending out a newsletter today. If you want to go to robblack.com and hit visitor sign up, I'll send out a market update on recent market action today. Sign up at robblack.com. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do mean that. If you listen, I pledge to do my very, very best to try to make things entertaining and informational for you. It doesn't always work out like that, but I try. Oh, my. Um, a couple websites that I want you to be aware of. Kiplinger, I think, does a real nice job. I think Forbes does a nice job. Wall Street Journal, New York Times business section. Twitter, I think is, I'm not going to say magical, but I think they do a very nice job of aggregating and disseminating news. It's up to us to disseminate. But, you know, for instance, uh, one of the people I follow, she wrote today on Twitter, Today I'll be watching fingerprint scanning iOS 7 News, 5C pricing, Apple TV update. Follow it all here, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, tele-blah. Um, what's interesting to note about that is, again, it's just a quick digestible nugget in case you forget to look, to keep your eyes open, to check. Arcade Fire and Google got together and created an interactive music video you can use experiencing just your smartphone. I like seeing technology. But again, that's one of the things I like about Twitter is that story would have missed me. And yet, I will take a play with it. It's called Just a Reflector. You literally have a hand to generate what you're watching. The move of the mouse across the video creates various effects at different points throughout the song. The video is a collaboration between director Vincent Morissette and Data Arts team. And again, it's showing us a little bit of what we could be doing. The movie Gravity is getting unbelievable stellar reviews. What's interesting about that is and I know you're saying what's interesting about that is the director took his time and did it his way. He insisted on it. And the reviews are that it's visually just the craziest thing you'll see. Chip Kelly. I know you're saying, Chip Kelly. Where does this go? He coached the Philadelphia Eagles. 
He's the talk of the NFL this morning after a big debut last night on Monday Night Football. A fast-paced, option-based offense, right? And again, you're saying, where are you going with this? He gave a great speech four years ago at Nike called the Zone Read Option. It was a lot about wonky football stuff that no one cares about, or at least I don't. But he mentioned that his team only had four run plays, but they were successful at Oregon because they knew exactly what they were doing on those four plays. Every single player knew every single scenario. Their offensive line led the nation in yards per carry and rushing touchdowns. They only had four plays in the whole running game. Four plays. Now, this comes back to you and investing somehow. Let's see if you can figure it out. The offensive line played with conviction. You need conviction. If you can keep it simple for the players, they gain confidence. You need conviction and confidence. You have conviction and confidence. You have a potential to win. A lot of people think the linemen are the key to football. The battle of football is won in the defensive and offensive lines. So, his offensive line, none of them were offered scholarships coming out of high school. Which is interesting. He talked about the ridiculousness that basketball coaches draw players on a whiteboard with five seconds left. He says the only way you should run a play is if you practice it thousands of times. Practice it thousands of times. Don't make stuff up on the fly. All very good investment advice. So you give people something to hang their hats onto, and they perform. If they could run the offense with any scenario they may face, you'll be successful in running the ball. Instead of trying to out-scheme his opponents, he put players in an environment where they could be successful because they understand exactly what they have to do. I enormously love that speech. Not because it means something powerful right now, but it's something I can go back to. Keep things simple. Do it a lot. Do it with conviction. Do it with confidence. It's a key success, and there's no doubt about it, in my opinion. Starbucks beloved pumpkin spice latte almost didn't happen. I know. It's one of the most popular seasonal drinks. It's got the similar following that the Cronut has right now in New York. Coffee gurus, tested drinks. It kind of fell into that meh category. Chocolate caramel, cinnamon spice. Was it going to be a winner or not? Was it going to be a winner or not? Pumpkin spice latte. It's a blend of cinnamon, clove, nutmeg, steamed milk. Pumpkin spice. Mm. People love the pumpkin spice latte so much that it has its own hashtag. Hashtag PSL for tweets. And people celebrate that it's 10 years old. What does that tell me? Buy some Starbucks. Don't think about it. Just do it. In very, very upsetting, dramatic news... Victoria's Secret announced the lineup for its famous annual fashion show, and Miranda Kerr strangely missing. I know. 
Kerr said she was focused on being a mother to her young son and on other contracts with brands ranging from Core Organics to Reebok. Oh. Oh. Victoria's Secret. They're kind of hinting that they dropped her because she's difficult. And she wasn't selling as much product as she was in the past. Now, the fashion show has a stunning 9.3 million people watching it. Wow. Like, that's a trend, right? Daddy, daddy, am I right? Am I right? Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. There's a Breaking Bad meth lab for Lego. Lego wants nothing to do with it. Lego is one of those companies that I wish I could invest in. I so badly wish they were a publicly traded company, but they're not. Lego doesn't want to be associated with a look-like brick toy set that recreates a meth lab. I wonder why. There's a company called Citizen Brick. They sold out of the $250 Super Lab playset. Okay, let me explain to you what Legos are. In case you haven't been on the planet, you just landed from Mars. Plastic bricks that you can build things with. Lego has figured out, you know what? We can make kids insane by doing Batman Legos. We can make them want to ravenously consume our product if we put Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Lord of the Rings. They're coming out with a movie based on Legos. They've already got probably some DVDs, you know, home straight to video, but you get the idea. What a great business. What a great product. You know, in the restaurant industry, not a lot of money is made on the food. A lot of money is made on the alcohol. Unless you're a company like McDonald's where it's all about the volume, volume, volume. Then you can make some money. Some do re me. Anyway, um, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We're moving closer. We're moving closer to the release of new iPhone products, uh, Apple products. Ooh. I can't. Just not that excited. Um, 800-516-1220 it's 800-516-1220 Apple's holding the event day coming up at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time take a look at the markets risk on sentiment follow serious agreement to put its chemical weapons under international control oil and gold are pressured we're willing to take risk China reports a slate of above consensus expectations data. Production, fixed asset investment, retail sales, all very solid. Goldman Sachs, 19 Visa are going to replace Alcoa, Bank of American, Hewlett Packard, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Treasury yield climbs. That's kind of interesting. We do pay attention to Treasury yield. In large part, I think there's an importance to it on borrowing costs. We've seen corporations slow their hiring as the 10-year Treasury has gone from 1.6 to now 2.95. Woo! We're up for the day. Playing with that three level. I know you're saying you're not really that excited about it, are you? I kind of am. Amazon quietly launched its own online flower shop. Fewer homeowners underwater. I like that story. Um, I don't want people to be upside down in their mortgage I understand the frustration that people have when they buy something that's incredibly expensive and it drops in value. So the homeowner story is nice to see. But don't get too 
arrogant and good God, did we learn nothing? Stop taking money out of your 401k, your 403b, your 457. I'm Rob Black. Come meet me Thursday evening in Los Gatos at the retirement seminar. Boot camp. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's Thursday evening with CFP Chad Burton in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. I'm Rob Black. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. Stocks are higher. It's selecting for a second day. S&P 500 index up 5%. That's our Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Um, one of the things that I found slightly interesting is that 10 years ago, I came up with this investment idea, this investment theme. There's two things that drive me batty. People that buy bottled water and people that buy sliced fruit. They're two of the things that have the biggest markups on the planet. And there are two other things that you could do relatively on your own pretty darn easily. So the bottled water angle came up in my head because I look at how much people pay for bottled water, and it's shocking. Now, if you go back to 2006, there was an ETF called PHO, PHO, PowerShares Water Resources. It was a $15 stock. 2008 crash happens. 2013 comes around, and now it's a $23 stock. So it really hasn't done very much. It's not a bad return, uh, but not competitive with the market. The yield is relatively small. But water is one of those stories that we keep hearing. I've got a neighbor, Mike, who's big into, he's kind of one of those Pacific Northwesterners, Grows a little medicinal marijuana and <laughs> grows it. No. That's all rumor. But he's kind of a Northwesterner who is a good guy, sweet guy. He wants to save the planet or help maintain it. He got me into worm composting. That's pretty cool. Um, power shares. Something I don't much care for. It's seeking U.S. water-based index. And it's a play on water. Our water table, in theory, in the United States is, is abysmal. It has not been an outperformer in any way, shape, or form. I don't really get excited by it. It's a great story. We're running out of water. We're running out of clean water. You need clean water to live. You know, that's a good story, right? Last year, it's up 20%. Last three years, 15%. Last five years, not so much. 
So when you think water, there's all sorts of thoughts tied towards it. There's water companies like utilities. There's companies that make the flowing of the water available, getting it from one place to the other. The names like Pintair, Waters, American Waterworks, FlowServe, Toro, Aqua America, Paul, Itron. And like American Waterworks, nice dividend play. But it's not quite the play that I want. Uh, if I want utilities, I'm going to look for something a little different. Maybe Lindsay Corporation. You know, Lindsay, ticker symbol LNN. When you take a look at it, how has it performed in the last five years versus the index? Very well. It's gone from 30 bucks a share to $80 a share. So maybe this is the story that I'm looking for inside of water. They design, manufacture, and sell irrigation systems that are tied towards the agricultural industry. Stabilize crop production. So just know that that was a great story, and I could have convinced myself 10 years ago to dedicate some money to PHO, P-H-O. And ultimately, it's a great idea, but the collective group has underperformed. I'm glad that I don't own it, and I'm glad that I didn't buy into the story, although I was convinced. I didn't act on it. It's just something to think about, because times as an investor, you're going to go, oh, I really believe this theory. And I want you to keep it simpler than that. Syria's agreement to put chemical weapons under international control is pressured oil and gold today. That has pressured the markets on some levels because there's investments tied towards oil and gold, right? It's not a big shocker. Sometimes the show doesn't have the big reveal. But gold down 22 bucks an ounce. Ten-year treasury sits 2.95%. That's the story of the day. That's the big mover. The Dow's up one half of a percent. The Nasdaq's up less than one half of a percent. The SP 500's up about one half of a percent. Netflix sits 52-week high. Nike, Visa, Goldman being added as blue chips. iPhone unveiling today. To me, that's really not a play on the iPhone. It's a play on China. But uh, that 10-year treasury is up 1.6%, and I just told you the other indices were up, you know, half of 1%. 10-year treasury is making a bold move. Can it conquer 3%? I thought it was going to conquer 3% on strong jobs report on Friday, and that jobs report wasn't strong. It was anemic. It's like the person who's never seen the sun going out in the sun. It was not, it was not basking in the glory of your strength. It was meh at best. 401ks, I think, are the best way to potentially max out your retirement. You never want to touch them. Earlier, we had a caller who had to go in. He incorrectly stated that it's a 50% penalty. It's not. But there's a penalty tied towards it, and it does. you do pay taxes on it. Now, paying the taxes on it, you didn't pay taxes going in. Therefore, you pay taxes going out. So I get the taxes, but the penalties, they're a little harsh. You have to be careful with your 401ks because some companies have set up average 401ks at best. You know, I think Morningstar.com does a great job of analyzing your 401k. If you sign up at Morningstar, they've got an X-ray analyzer. There's another one called 401k Help Center. The larger the plan, the more apt you are to have fiduciaries involved and not brokers. I don't like it when the brokers are involved or the insurance agents. Come meet me 
Thursday evening in Los Gatos, the Toll House Hotel, retirement boot camp with CFP Chad Burton and myself and Michelle Lerman. You can get there online. Sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.